Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Valentine's Day, also Ash Wednesday, February the 14th, 2024. And um, so glad to have you on. We uh, we are in this, uh, well, special readings today for Ash Wednesday uh, and the rest of the week. And um, this starts the first day of Lent. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm curious what you guys have decided to give up, if anything. It's not a requirement, of course, to give something up for Lent. But yeah, maybe there's things that you uh something to uh, abstain from throughout the um, the season of Lent. So today we are going to be reading. Um, oh, my page turned. Let's put it back. There we go. From the book of Amos, from the book of Hebrews, and from the book of Luke. How are we doing today? I feel much better too. Continuing to improve. Had a little cold. Got back from a trip. You know, with this with a cold. One hundred percent better. I think I'm giving up. Like, um, I'm giving up sweets. I've been like wrestling back and forth between like breads and potatoes. I was going to give up potatoes, but I don't eat a lot of potatoes anyway. It would be more just like French fries. And so that wouldn't be a daily thing at all. I mean, because I don't eat French fries every day. So to kind of make it a spiritual thing, it needs to be something that you have regularly. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be sweets. Like cookies and cakes, uh, um, and candy. Yeah, I think that'll. Not that I eat that all the time, but you know, you'll get that little sugar craving. It'll be a good reminder for me. So that's what I think. That's what I think. Um. All right, let's jump in, guys. Amos chapter 5. And, yeah, ice cream. That's, the, that's a, a temptation or a regular go-to. All right, Amos chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. These are our Ash Wednesday readings. So, welcome, everybody. So glad to have you on. Let's do this. You know what we do? We read, we pray, change the world. Six through fifteen. Seek the Lord 
and live. <clears throat> or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Wow. Seek the Lord and live. Hmm. <coughs> <clears throat> We have we have a troll, people. We'll just do that. Um, <laughs> there are those who turn justice into bitterness mm, and cast righteousness to the ground. They turn justice into bitterness. They uh, pervert justice, basically, right? They pervert justice. Um and they uh, trample over uh, righteousness. Hmm. He who made Platius and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn, I probably said that wrong, uh, and darkens day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. A reminder of um, who is ultimately in control, right? Who is sovereign over creation? The Lord is. With a blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. Hmm. Verse 10. Those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detests the one who tells the truth. So obviously the theme of this uh, is justice, right? The God of justice, uh, which is consistent with the overall um, uh, characteristic of the minor prophets in general, and certainly the prophet Amos. <clears throat> they have a, um, a strong... Um, concern for justice, for fairness, that the scales are uh, equal and that they are not tipped in favor of the powerful or the rich or the unrighteous, but that they, uh, that they remain fair. <clears throat> and so here um, we see those themes of justice Verse verse eleven. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So there's judgment coming, right? Judgment 
against those who have in the land where there has been no the uh, the poor have been um, denied their justice. The poor have been deprived justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Hmm. Verse 14, here's a good one. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. We can see that in our own times too, right? Just the um, how often evil seems to prevail, how um, ungodliness and sometimes the uh, powerful um, trample on the um, laws of justice, and fairness, and righteousness. And so um, it's a reminder that God has concern for justice. He cares about it. Um, and that he is a God of justice. And that in some sense we, um, we have to examine the, our, the, own, the times in our own lives when we um, refuse or forget to stand on the side of the innocent. Unknowingly or intentionally. <clears throat> you know, it's particularly true with this. Um, let's just say this. It's particularly a concern or a real temptation in a world that is so politically polarized. And so people attend, uh, in, uh, just automatically retreat to their political uh, corners. And if we as Christians should not first, we shouldn't do that. We should first think about what is right. <laughs> what does God say? Let's not first retreat to our blue or our red corners <clears throat> or our, our, uh, our political ideologies, but let's first say what's right. Because in retreating to the red corner or the blue corner, Republican, Democrat, respectively, we could be trampling on the laws of righteousness just because we want to keep uphold our political ideology or defend our guy or gal. And so that's, uh, that's not so different than what was happening there. You know, they're just, they're, they're, they're denying justice to the poor. So seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Here you go, guys. Hate, hate evil. Love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Hmm. We should pray for justice in our land. We should pray that um, justice is maintained in the courts, that there's fairness, that there's... Why? Because this glorifies God. Justice is a reflection of the character of God. We should care about these things because God is a God of justice. 
And um, it's a good reminder that um, God stands on the side of, of right, of, of fairness. He's not, um, he's not blue or red. <laughs> he has his own space. What's right? Where God stands is right. That's, that's what's right. Uh, all right, let's jump over to Hebrews chapter 12 on this Ash Wednesday, a reminder of our own mortality from ashes you have come and to ashes you will return. Those that partake in the administration of ashes, that's generally what some traditions are a little different, but that's usually what the minister will uh, say as he places ashes on your forehead. From ashes you have come and to ashes you shall return. Repent and believe the good news. Your answer is, the answer of course is yes. Chapter 12, Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, we read this not too long ago. It's interesting that we're coming back and reading this on, um, on Ash Wednesday. We just read this like probably a week ago, two weeks ago maybe. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. There you go. Let us throw off everything that was that hinders. Yes, that was for you. Um, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. <clears throat> and here, listen to the word of God. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the mark, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. Mm. That, um, that passage, we, although we just read it just a few weeks ago, it definitely hits different on Ash Wednesday, doesn't it? That Jesus, we know that Ash Wednesday is marking the, that kind of final turn towards the cross um, and this uh, journey that prepares our hearts for the death and resurrection of Jesus but particularly the, uh, the adversity that he went, uh, he endured on the way to the cross. Um, verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What is he saying? This is a parallel to Jesus. Jesus, so we all have... Uh, struggled against sin, some more than others, uh, or some in different ways than others, but we all have some struggle with sin. Um, but not to the degree that Jesus, like it wasn't a like a life and death, like with Jesus, it was literally like 
he suffered with his own body. Verse 5, And you have completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord's discipline, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Hmm. So we shouldn't despise the Lord's discipline. We, when we're disciplined or corrected, uh, we don't lose heart because, if anything, it should encourage us. <clears throat> I mean, not, not that we should delight in discipline. I'm not saying that. We shouldn't delight in being chastised by the Lord. But in a sense, we should. In a different way, we should, because it's a sense of love. Man, a parent that does not discipline their children, that, that is a neglect. We don't look at a, a parent who lets their child run wild into dangerous situations and um, and... And say that that's a, that parent is such a great parent. No, they're neglecting. So, I, the Lord's discipline. Um, sometimes the Lord's discipline comes in pain and discontentment and, and frustration. And that is a that is a aspect of the Lord's discipline. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. There you go. Endure hardship as discipline. So you're going through a hard time, you're going through a trial, you're going through difficulty. Consider that a discipline, a training. That God is training. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. You know, um, when as a parent, sometimes you as a parenting your children, sometimes you gotta you make your children wait for things. Um, not because you couldn't give it to them right now, but because there's a discipline, there's a character formation that needs to happen in them in the waiting. They need to not be impulsive. They need to show constraint. And so God doesn't give us what we want just whenever we ask. Sometimes he may never give us what we want because what we want is not good for us. But in those cases where what we want is truly a good thing, he still may make us wait. And be patient, because in that waiting and patience is a character formation. A, uh, a long-suffering, right? Endure, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what ch children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters of uh, at all. So again, he's, he's just giving the example that God's discipline is is uh, is a uh, is an example is evidence that He's your Father, that He's He's guiding you, He's directing you. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad to have you guys on. We're Hebrews chapter twelve here, verse nine. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who discipline us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of the Spirit and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. Mm, you got to know that, man. 
God's discipline is for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. God's desire for us is that we would share in his holiness. Um, a clean heart, a clear conscience. Uh, you can't put a price tag on that, man. To live with a clear conscience and a clear heart, um, with no resentment, with no bitterness, um, with no fear, with no uh, angst or animosity. And to get us to that place, that place of holiness, of righteousness, peace, joy, goodness, graciousness, kindness, gentleness, and it's a work in progress for all of us, to get us there, God administers what? Discipline. He teaches. His discipline is not just punitive. It's instructive. It's formative. It, 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 um, it changes us. It creates in us uh, moral character. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have trained, been trained by it. Verse 12, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Verse 14, last verse from um, Hebrews. Make every effort, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I see the uh, the comments and just in I can't read them all, but I will say this: uh, two things you need to know because questions are being raised about addiction. Does God still love us in our addiction? Does just and you know what do I do with that? Let, let me just say this: of yes, hundred percent, God loves you in your addiction. He has paid for the penalty the penalty for all of our sins, whether it's a Sin of greed, sin of pornography, sin of adultery. The cross is sufficient for all of those sins. The question is, what is it going to take for a person to walk in holiness? And here's the simple reality. We don't change until the pain of the present is greater than the pain uh, of change. We will not change until the pain of the present exceeds the pain that it costs to change. And sometimes God will let us, the discipline sometimes God will let us go through is a discipline that will increase the current pain until we realize I, it's worth changing now. And that pain can come in this the form of internal torment, just just angst. It could come in the form of broken relationships. It could come into the form of financial woes. It could come in the form of broken friendships. It could come in the form of physical uh, deterioration and 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 health crisis. 
There's a lot of ways pain can come into our lives, but we will not change in any area of our lives. And I'm not saying it is easy, and I'm not saying it's always fair. I'm just saying this is a reality. None of us will change any aspect of our lives until the pain of the present is greater than the pain of changing. And so when you get to that point, when you get to that point, and, and to be perfectly honest, stop making excuses. Stop, stop bemoaning the reality. But really just say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. This is enough. That's enough. Then that means what? That means you may quit watching YouTube if your addiction is pornography. It may mean you get off of the internet. It may mean you get certain subscriptions out of your house. You may get, it may mean you get rid of the personal handheld device that you have that accesses pornography with two clicks. When the pain of the present is greater than the pain of change, you'll do what you have to do to change. And that's true if, with your health. That's true with any area of life, spiritually. If you're tired of being spiritually empty, when the pain of being spiritually empty is greater than the, any fear associated with changing, you'll change. You'll change. You'll get around people. You'll get help. You'll find resources that will help you change, that will lead you spiritually to help you change. Incredible Christian organizations like Celebrate Recovery are, are built with a Christ-centered principle to help people overcome recovery and addiction and uh, all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And there are others. But I think you ha it has to get to a place where you really want to quit. I mean, that's it. You just really want to quit. I mean... If you, don't, if you don't really want to quit, then it's going to be excuses, and it's going to be, um, it's going to just be a circular argument of, yeah, but I, yeah, but I, but you don't understand, but yeah, okay. I tell people sometimes, you know, that are struggling with addiction or have friends who are struggling with addiction or, or spouses or and they'll say, when do you think they're going to change? And I was like, I don't know. But they clearly haven't suffered enough. Because that it hasn't, sometimes, sadly, sadly, and it's very hard to watch. Very hard to watch. It's very hard to be a part of it, too. But change doesn't happen until that the pain of the present is greater than the fear of change. And um, so I would encourage the person, endorphins, 27, um, I would examine your life and I would ask myself, maybe God is disciplining me. Maybe my discontentment, maybe my frustration um, is, uh, is, part of the, is, is part of the Lord's discipline. So. You can walk through that and figure it out. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can get, uh, what's the last verse? 
Luke 18, 19 through 14. Yeah, that's a question I'm not going to get into. That's something that's way more complex than a than a social media feed, buddy. <laughs> God bless you, but that's way more complicated than a social media conversation. Uh, Luke 18, uh, 19 through 14. To whom? <clears throat> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and one other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. <clears throat> That's where it begins, man. Not comparing yourself to other people, but beginning with just you standing before God. That's where we all start, us standing before God. It's not us comparing ourselves to other people and standing before God and saying, God, have mercy on me, me, not them, me. I'm a sinner. I tell you that this, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. There's that justice word again. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Beautiful reminder for Ash Wednesday. God have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm not going to look at everybody else. This is about me before God. God, God of mercy and justice, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's pray, you guys. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we remember your word. We remember your goodness and grace. We ask for you to empower us to walk this life of godliness. Lord, we remember that we came from dust, and to dust we will return. We repent, and we believe the good news. Lord, you, may you bless each and every person today. May you strengthen and guide them in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.